Hey friend, thank you for coming along on this ride once again this week. I'm Mike McCurry. This is Bible Tract Echoes. I'm diving into 1 Samuel chapter 17. Will you come along with me? Thank you for joining me today. 1 Samuel 17 and verse number 1, the Bible says this. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Shoko, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shoko and Ezekah, and Ephesdemim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and pitched beside the valley of Elah, and set the battle in array against the Philistines. Now, you're familiar with this passage, 1 Samuel 17. We actually spoke from this passage just a little bit on the Monday broadcast of Bible Tract Echoes, what you're listening to right now. And if you're a faithful listener, you haven't missed anything this week, gold star and a smiley face. But you know where we're at. Though we've taken a circuitous route to get here, we've had five different topics these five different days of this week. You're familiar with 1 Samuel 17, right? David and Goliath, the ruddy boy, the young man facing off against the grungy Goliath. Verse number three, and the Philistines stood on a mountain. On the one side, and, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Commentators tell us that could be between eight and ten feet tall. No matter when he lived, he was a big dude. And he had an helmet of brass upon his head. And he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was five thousand shekels of brass, and he had greaves of brass upon his legs, and a target of brass between his shoulders, and his staff of spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed six hundred shekels of iron, and one, a man, bearing a shield, went before him, and he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel, and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine, and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now, Monday on the broadcast, we talked a little bit later in the passage. We actually, I think, started in verse number 16 or 20. We're going to end today around verse number 16. We just read verse number 11. Verse 12 says this. I will go in somewhere with this. I've got a thought that Lord laid on my heart. I was listening to a message from this passage not long ago, and the Lord, every once in a while, the gear start spinning. And this is not uh, from the other message. It's just the Lord let me glean something in one small statement and it spun off this thought. Verse 12, now David was the son of the Ephrathite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse. He had eight sons and the man went among men for an old man in the days of Saul. So Jesse, he was an old man in the days of Saul. And the three eldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to the battle. And the names of his three sons that went to battle were Eliab the firstborn and next unto him Abinadab the third Shammah. And David was the youngest, youngest of eight. And three eldest followed Saul. And David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Now here's the where we get the thought from verse number 16. One little phrase here just sparked something in me. A question I want to ask you. Verse 16 in the Philistine. We've already heard we said the Philistine drew near 
morning, and evening, and presented himself forty days. Now, here's the thought. Now, we, we know in the New Testament, Peter asked, I believe it was, how many times should we forgive our brother who offends us? And he was told 70 times 7, right? You add that up, that's 490, multiplied, I should say, 490. And Jesus wasn't saying you just uh, turn the other cheek 490 times. What he's saying was basically stop counting. You don't just stop it seven times. You go 70 times seven and just stop counting. It's not 469, 474, oh, 490. I'm going to cut you off. That's not what he was saying. But here we are. This is not a situation. This is not a turn the other cheek situation. This is not a forgiveness situation. This is a heretic. This is a heathen. This is a heinous act of rebellion and challenge to God Almighty. And we see it happen. We heard what he said in verses 8 and 9 and 10. And then we find out that this guy, he was a big dude in a rude mood. But we find out that he was doing this morning and evening for 40 days. Now, I am, please understand me, I, just by way of personal illustration, there are things that can begin to grate on me. I am, and my wife, I believe, would truthfully back this up. I am pretty laissez-faire. I am fairly laid back. I actually had somebody, this was a while back. I was an adult, but it was a while back, and I got intense about something. Something that was necessary that needed to be communicated, and the person told some folks that I've never seen Micah that angry before, and it was good for me to hear because I realized I wasn't actually angry. I was just being intense. I was probably a four and a half out of ten, so you have not seen me angry. That's just This is not some kind of put myself over on a pedestal, and you don't know when I get angry friend that that's none of that i'm just saying i'm pretty even keeled now i try to be balanced every once in a while you can get a little you know discouraged every once in a while you can get a little ecstatic but i, I try to stay you know right around there and but 40 days twice a day have your kids ever just pushed your buttons have they ever just bothered you morning and evening day after day after day have you ever said uh Enough. Yeah, I have a five-year-old and a six-year-old, so yes, I've done it, okay? Just stop. Give me a second here, okay? That's annoying, right? But think about this guy, Goliath. Here's the question that came to mind. I'm looking at this. The Philistine is basically saying, you guys are cowards. Your God isn't real, and I'm going to smother you and kill you. You're all going to be our servants. And he was saying it every day for over a month, twice a day. Do the math. 80 times. My question is this. What's it going to take? What's it going to take to move you to action heard a wiser man than i say this something he was speaking of christians and politics when we win we quit when we lose we quit 
I believe it was in, directed toward, you know, presidential candidates and things like that. If we get a candidate that believes, quote unquote, like us, then we quit because we quote one. And apparently in the next four years is going to be all great because we don't need to work on this anymore and the realm of politics. And if we lose, we decide, ah, we'll pick up the fight later on. We quit on both sides. And it's true, not just in politics. It's true across the board, spiritually speaking. I've seen it time and time again. What's it going to take to move us to action? One of the reasons I so enjoy being a part of camps between uh, now and really the end of next year or thereabouts, I'll be part of eight, nine, ten different weeks of camps. I'll have the chance to invest in a lot of young people. Some of them are different types of camps. Most of them have heavy emphasis on the preaching, all those things. But sometimes they'll have games and things that go along with it. And you have some fun time with the young people. And I enjoy getting out there with them. But I remember back in the day, we wanted to win. I remember, and this, I'm not downing the present generation. I'm saying it began with my generation, I think. There was a lesser, a lacking of intensity. We weren't as concerned. I'll be honest with you. I probably, for a time in my life, I was too concerned with winning, unquote. But there was a time I noticed that young people just, ah, you know, who cares? Ah, you know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just happy to play the game. Can I tell you, I'm not just happy to play the game with the devil, if you will. I want to be on the Lord's side. I want to be tip of the spear. And I don't succeed at this all the time. So please understand, this is not pedestal for Micah time. I want you to understand I fail miserably. But my question is, how many times does the work of God, the cause of Christ, and this book need to be disrespected before people will stand up and say, that's enough? For uh, the Second Amendment, we'll stand up. And I'm not saying we shouldn't. Absolutely should. Great. Wonderful. But what's more important to you? God's sword or your 380? 357 on your ankle more important than a Bible? Friend, I think our priorities are out of whack. Bullet sales, ammunition sales go up when there's any talk about some ban happening, right? Why don't people buy more Bibles now? Friend, I'm telling you what, it seems like we're willing to roll over sometimes and play dead. But as I recall, the life that is in him is in us as well. And it's time that we as a mighty army rose up. I'm not calling for insurrection. I'm calling for conversion. I'm calling for people to realize that God is the king, regardless of who sits in the White House. And whether they have an R or a D or an I by their name, we need to serve Christ. My question is, what's it going to take? 80 times. 80 times in the entire armies of Israel did nothing. And it took a young boy. Sometimes it's from the most unexpected places. Friend, what's it going to take? As we conclude our week together, let me encourage you. It's not too early to get your copy of our Easter track. He is not here. We'd love to send you one. These are free. This is the foundational ministry for the radio broadcast you're listening to right now. Bible Tract Echoes was started, founded by Paul Levine, our founder, and it's a ministry of Bible Tracts Incorporated. We print gospel tracts, over 600 million over the last 85 years, and we print them and put them around the world 
free of charge. He is not here is the title I have in my hand right now. We'd love to send you some for free. It's talking, of course, about Jesus Christ not being here. He's not on the cross and he's not in the tomb. He's seated on the right hand of the Father and I'm so glad that he is. We'd send you some of these for free. And just by the way, we don't mention this often. We can also customize the gospel tracks for a small fee. Uh, we print them and produce them for free as you see, as they are in my hand right now. But if you'd like us to customize and put your church information, kind of an imprint type thing, really it's full custom, uh, we can do that for you. Go to our website, BibleTracksInc.com. Org. That's BibleTracksInc.org. I'd love to hear from you. If you have a question, a comment, a critique, a concern, text me at this number. Give it to you one time. 309-316-7240. My question again today is, what's it gonna take? Have a great day for His glory. We'll plan on talking to you soon. I'm Michael McCurry. This is Bible Track Echoes. Tune in next week. Thank you for joining us today for Bible Tract Echoes, a ministry of Bible Tracks Incorporated. If you would like to receive a free sample booklet of all of our tracks, you can contact us by calling 309-828-6888. That's 309-828-6888. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 130, Dwight, Illinois, 604 a faster way to contact us is to go to our website at BibleTracksInc.org. That's BibleTracksInc.org. There you will find more information about our ministry and details on how you can support Bible Tracks Incorporated. Thanks for listening, and may the Lord richly bless you as you serve Him.